You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. A couple of announcements. Um, Jen Ross is going to come up and share uh, uh, an announcement for children's ministry, so we'll let her do that first. Is that right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Good morning. So you may have heard last week that our kids are putting on an Easter program. It's actually the week after Easter, and so they're going to be acting out um, starting at the empty tomb and Jesus' appearances um, to the disciples and to others during that time. So we did our first read-through. It was very exciting this morning. So if you have kiddos in Life Church, we are going to be practicing during worship all the Sundays in March. We will not practice on Easter Sunday, and then we will do the program on Sunday, April 8th. So they'll need to be here at 845 so that we can get them dressed and ready to go. Um, so if you come to Life Church and don't have kids, this is a great Sunday to invite people to come join us to hear um, the story about Jesus' resurrection. Um, and if you have kids in Life Church, we're just really excited to have them as part of this program. Thank you. Yeah. One other announcement before we get started here this morning. Um, it is March. That's a great month. We see lots of wonderful changes start to happen. Um, please be careful. We have, uh, yes, we, we, we want adoption. We foster adoption. We proclaim adoption. We encourage adoption. Um, I guess some of our feathery friends got a hold of that because they've adopted us. So there are a couple of very large Canadian geese, uh, a pair, and uh, they have decided to make uh, our, our church their home as well. Um, so you may see them. They're very close to the building a lot of the time, all right? Just be careful around them. Uh, we, we haven't found it yet, but I'm sure there's a nest somewhere really, really close by the building. Uh, let's be mindful of that. Let's be careful of that. Let's respect that uh, aspect of life as well. Um, and uh, just you stay away from them, okay? I, I don't, I don't want to have to put Band-Aids on any of you, okay? Uh, so just we, we have been adopted, all right? So let, it, let that be that. Okay, but then following March is April. And as you know, April is always the Kingswood Rummage Sale in Sioux Falls, which is a big, big deal for our city uh, and for that neighborhood in particular. And uh, lots and lots of people come through there. And our associate pastor just happens to live smack dab in the middle of that neighborhood, which is a really cool thing because every year he and his wife open their home graciously and lovingly to the community and host a rummage sale. That rummage sale is provided by all of you, by what you contribute and donate so that it can be sold for the purpose of helping us fund adoption and adoption-related activities uh, through Life Church. okay? Uh, so we support adoption uh, ministries. We support adoptive families, uh, not only who are trying to adopt, but even post-adoption, when they have already received their child, we try to help as well with some of the support. Adopting can be a very expensive uh, endeavor. Uh, so whatever you can give to the rummage sale that is sellable, is in good shape, and is, is sellable, and you can transport to Pastor Dave's home, uh, we want you to start thinking about that and start trying to figure out what those items are, make your list, get your items ready, 
uh, whatever needs to be done, repair-wise or whatever. Uh, get everything ready, and uh, at the appropriate time, Pastor Dave will give us all the, the green light, and we will all flood his home with all of this stuff uh, that we have been wanting to get rid of in our house, all right? So this is just a great, great opportunity. So please be mindful of that and help us so that we can raise uh, funds and awareness uh, for adoption as a church, okay? So those are our announcements. So let's just get right into uh, the scriptures this morning. We are in a series on um, the Holy Spirit, and in particular, right now we're focusing on the gifts. I talked to you a lot last Sunday about why the gifts are so important, why you should desire the gifts uh, of the Holy Spirit, that sort of thing. And then I started to, to touch on prophecy. I opened that door a little bit. And so I want to talk a little bit more about prophecy this morning uh, as a gift. Then I want to talk about the gift or the utterance of knowledge. And I want to talk about the gift or the utterance of wisdom as well and how they might be used uh, in the church and in particular in life church. So we're going to talk about uh, three areas this morning. Uh, please keep in mind we're touching these areas this is not exhaustive at all by any means because there's so much more that can be learned about all of these various gifts and, of course, the Holy Spirit himself. And so we're trying to, to get you to a place where you start to tweak uh, your interest and, and your understanding uh, on your own. So please, please listen to what we have to say about the, the gifts because they do help define us as a church and how we operate in the spirit uh, as a charismatic church. Um, and so we really want very much to, to be able to embrace what God is doing by the power of the Holy Spirit. And some of that uh, happens as we grow and as we learn more and more about the Spirit and the ways that the Spirit operates. So what I'd like to do this morning with you is I'd like to take you through a couple of passages of Scripture. They're lengthy passages, and I'm just going to pick up on some high points, okay? So we'd love for you to use your Bibles this morning, all right? So if you have a Bible with you, uh, pull it out, and let's, let's work through the Bible together. If you don't have a Bible and you would like one, uh, in the prayer room just to the left outside the doors here, there's a rack with black Bibles in it, and you can take one of those Bibles and use that this morning. And if you don't have a Bible, you can take that Bible literally with you, and it can be your gift from Life Church. And we would love to be able to gift you with the Bible if you don't have one, okay? So what we're going to do, as I said earlier, we're going to camp a, a, quite a bit in 1 Corinthians this morning. And the first passage I'd love for you to look at is found in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, okay? And um, this, the, the lengthy passage here is about starting at about verse 1. And uh, for your own, like, study and, and review, you should probably, like, go all the way through verse 31. So sometime this week, just, just camp out in 1 Corinthians and read uh, chapter 12, all right? It's a, a great, great chapter. I'm going to pull out about nine verses here uh, that, are, that are throughout the, the passage and bring those to your attention, and then we're going to move right along, and then we'll back up and talk about these particular gifts once we do that, all right? So spiritual gifts are talked about in chapter 12, beginning at verse 1, and Paul starts out the chapter by saying, now, concerning spiritual gifts, or if we're going to talk about spiritual gifts then, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed, all right? In other words, I want you, we talked about this last Sunday, I want you to have understanding. This is the only way you and I are going to be able to utilize the gifts properly in Life Church. 
Um, I, I know that in charismatic circles, we love the mystical side of our faith, all right? We embrace that a lot. Um, some of you, you're very black and white people, so when I say uh, we're, we're charismatics and we're mystical, you go, I'm a charismatic and I'm not mystical, you know, because you're very black and white, you're very ordered, you're very systematic, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, and, and yet, many of you who are, would describe yourself that way, you also very much embrace these sort of unique aspects of the Spirit and, and what the Spirit is doing uh, in the body of Christ. And so, in a sense, even though some of you may personality-wise be more on that kind of uh, black and white uh, spectrum here, you still are able to not only uh, open your heart and embrace the Holy Spirit, but also to work in the gifts as well and operate in the gifts. So uh, let's all be open to this and, and, and not like excuse ourselves out because we are a certain bent or a certain personality style or a certain personality type, all right? Let's be open to however God might use us. Us. And, um, and so we need to, to understand these gifts so that we can use them because God doesn't want us to be uninformed as his body. Regardless of where we go to church or what we do or what our background is or what our church history is or what our various flavors have been over the years, God wants very much for us to be informed here, okay? Now, look down at verse 4. He says, there are a variety of gifts. Now, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and the church at Corinth is obviously from some of these passages we can discern has maybe misused the gifts a little bit or gotten out of order or out of sync with how the gifts should operate in the church. And so Paul is talking to the church, and he's trying to help them to bring it back into order, to bring it back into a process in such a way that God is glorified, that the church is equipped, and the people of God are, are maturing and growing and becoming everything that they need to be for the kingdom of God. So this is very, very important. A lot of times when we talk about 1 Corinthians and, and some of these passages where he's dealing with the gifts, we will oftentimes sort of focus on, yeah, well, look, they didn't do it right, or look, it got out of order, or look, it got messy, you know, and, and, and we sort of major there. But that's really not Paul's reason his, his basic reason for writing to the church at Corinth. His basic reason is unity. He is trying to unify the church at Corinth. He is trying to bring a tremendous level of unity into the church. And one of the ways that he sees unity being able to be accomplished is by everyone doing their part, everyone working together under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So the gifts are actually a unifier of the church as we, in our different ways and, and our different personalities, come to the Lord, and as He gifts out the, the, the gifts as He would will them to be upon His people, and as we start to work together and complement one another, the church begins to be very effective, and the body of Christ flourishes, and the gospel goes forth, and the kingdom of God is established. And all that's done in unity and harmony. And so this is a big part of what Paul is trying to do in the book of Corinthians. So now, 1 Corinthians was not written just to straighten out the church, all right, because it got crazy with gifts, all right? That's just a small piece of what Paul is trying to do in 1 Corinthians, and that's what we're looking at today is those gifts because we're learning from these passages where Paul brings correction and guidance and insight and revelation to the people. We are learning from that as well and becoming informed of what God wants to do. So he says there are these variety of gifts. There's, there's a lot of different gifts, but it is one and the same spirit that is giving them. There's a, there's a, a variety of services. 
You and I do all kinds of things in the church to serve one another and to serve the Lord, all right? But just one Lord. And there's a variety of activities, all right? There's all kinds of activities that are going on and actions that are being done, but it's the same God who gives us the power or empowers us to be able to do them. And he gives this power to everyone, all right? So the power is available to us that we would become sons and daughters who are witnesses of Jesus Christ, sharing that witness with others around the world, all right? And so then he goes on in verse 7, and he says, to each is given, all right? Freely given, freely, freely given the manifestation of the Spirit, all right? Why would God do that? God does that, he says, for the common good of all. Your gifts are not for you. They never were meant to be for you. Your gifts are for the body. Your gifts are for the church at large. Your gifts are for those people who need them. Your gifts is for the world out there who needs to know God and His Son, Jesus Christ. And so you and I have been given, and we may not fully know yet what it is we have actually been given. For some of us, it lies dormant for a long time. Unfortunately for some people, some of their gifts lie dormant their entire life. They are never actually activated and utilized in the body of Christ. And this is a sad lot for those people and for the church because we all lose when people let their giftings go dormant and don't use them for the glory of God. All right? So these gifts are given. There's a manifestation that comes through these gifts uh, from the Holy Spirit And that is for the common good. That is for all of us to enjoy and to benefit from as the body of Christ and for us to utilize outside the body of Christ as well where it's appropriate. Not all gifts are appropriate outside of the body. And you'll learn that through some of the scriptures, uh, especially uh, scriptures that deal with things like tongues and interpretation, which, by the way, Pastor Dave will will tackle that challenge next Sunday. So you'll want to be here uh, to hear what he has to say about that. And uh, Dr. Hitch has already alluded to some of that uh, in his message a, a few Sundays ago, and you can hear that on the, on the podcast as well. Okay, Now, look at verse 8. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. So these are two gifts we want to identify and talk about a little bit today uh, that are given to us by the Holy Spirit. And some of you will have the gift of wisdom, and some of you will have the gift of knowledge, which is also referred to as an utterance. In other words, knowledge comes forth. It's a spoken word. Knowledge is given out. It's done through language. So it's spoken, the same with, uh, with wisdom as, as well. Okay, But then in verse 10... If you drop down there, he says, to another prophecy. And then in verse 11, he says, all these, whether it's the three that we're talking about today or all the others that are in the list as well, all of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions or gives out in in increments to each one individually as he wills. All right? So... From this, we understand that God doesn't just come down in in the form of the Holy Spirit and say, okay, wisdom, you know, and everybody's got it, you know, knowledge, and everybody's got it, all right? He comes to the individual based on a variety of things that are important to God, included and certainly not limited limited to 
where you are in your spiritual maturity and walk, where you are in living out holiness and righteousness before God. Uh, these are important aspects or pieces, where you are in the fruit of the Spirit manifesting in your life. There are a lot of things that factor into God giving us these gifts and them manifesting in our lives, all right? And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go along, all right? Now, after verse 10, where he talks about prophecy, and then he talks in verse 11 about them all uh, being empowered by the same Spirit and how the Spirit gives as He wills, not as we will, then look down at the last verse in that chapter, verse 31. When he said all of this and, and, and talked to the Corinthian church about all of this, he makes this amazing statement. He says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Um, We'll learn what some of those higher gifts are going forward, but to, to, to put it in very simplistic terms, the higher gifts are the gifts whereby the most people are edified in the most effective ways. Those are the higher gifts. When all of God's people can be edified and all of God's people can experience the revelation of Jesus Christ and the gospel, those are higher gifts, if you will. And those go above, say, like serving. We're all called to be servants, and, we are, and some of you have special gifts of hospitality to serve in unique and wonderful ways, and you can do that inside of the body and outside of the body as well. But that wouldn't be considered a higher gift because it isn't necessarily a gift whereby you're going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to, to a larger group of people, and people are going to be built up and, and exhorted and encouraged and those kinds of things, whereas prophecy is that, and so it becomes a higher gift. All right? So, you are called to earnestly desire, not just to desire or not just to want or not just to hope for, but to actually desire and to do it earnestly, which means you, are, you really need to get your heart to a place where it isn't, a, a, where you're not just ambivalent about the gifts or the gifts manifesting in your lives. And, and bless all of our hearts, we, we, most of us have probably said something like this. Well, you know what? It's up to the Lord. If he wants to give me a gift, he can give me a gift, and I'm just going to wait for the Lord. Well, that really isn't the way Paul is saying to do this. That's not the way Paul is saying to approach this thing of spiritual gifts. He's saying, first of all, get your heart to a place where you want gifts. You actually want them. And I know some of us are going like, well, gosh, I, I don't want to you know, be looking like I'm presumptuous or arrogant or high-minded or that you know, I, 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 I got pride and I just, I, just, I just want all these things so I can be something or somebody. Don't let that hook you. Don't let that trap you up. That is, the, that is the fowler's snare. That is the way the enemy comes in and grabs you by the ankle, so to speak, wraps you up and puts you in a box, Okay. Don't do that. You have been given gifts. This is what the Bible tells you. We talked about that a lot last week, okay? So, so don't, don't buy into that, that piece that says, oh, I, I don't, I don't want to be up there. I don't, I don't want to be presumptuous. I just want to be a humble person. Listen, humility isn't saying, oh, well, I'm not worthy, or oh, I'm just, just going to wait, or I'm just going to sit back. That is not humility. That is actually false pride, folks. You are created in the image of Jesus Christ. You have been called to produce. You have been called to, to receive gifts, gifts that are born out of heaven. Listen, Jesus died for your spiritual gifts. 
All right? He died for your salvation, but he died so that as you are saved, you are called. And as you are called, you are sent out. As you are sent out, you are empowered. As you are empowered, you are gifted. And as you are gifted, you are expected to use that gift for the glory of God. And so you and I need to be in that place where with humility we are saying, God, no matter how much you gift me, no matter how much I can do, no matter how effective I might be in what I do for the kingdom, I understand my place and my position, and I am a little bit below the angels. You are God Almighty. You are high and lifted up. Job said, that's God up there, and I'm way down here. Man, I need a bondsman. I need a middleman. I need somebody between me and God who can plead my case and who can go to God for me because I'm just a man. And he saw, Jesus did that folks. Jesus became your bondsman. Jesus became your middleman to connect you to heaven so that you could be empowered by God to do the work of the kingdom. And so Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and he died for you to have the ability to be gifted and empowered by the Spirit to go into the uttermost parts of the world and share the gospel and make disciples. All right? So that's where we are. All right, so we need to be desiring these gifts. But he goes a step further and throws another word in there. All right, he says, earnestly desire these gifts. In other words, do something. Earnest is, is putting something, some effort forward. To be earnest is to say, I'm going to do something to show, to demonstrate that I want to do this or that I desire this or this is important to me or I value this. So, my friends, for you and I to, to sit back and, and have this kind of meek, false humility that says, oh, I'm just not going to, I'm just going to wait. And if the Lord wants to use me, he will. No, no. Let's get up. Let's get up and do something for God. Let's make a difference. Let's, let's show the world the real God. Let's show the world the real Jesus. Let's show the world the real Holy Spirit. All right. Let's, let's go out there and make changes in the world because we make changes in people's lives. See, the only way the world changes is when people change. And if all we're going to do is sit back and judge and point fingers and say, well, that's not right or that's not good or that's bad or that's, the, the whole system is, is messed up, that, that is so wrong, all right? You and I have to be able to stand up and make a difference. We have to be able to look at a way to change somebody else's life for the kingdom in order that, that the world can change. Otherwise, the world is going to change, but in the wrong direction because we have done nothing as the body of Christ, okay? So you've been given these gifts. Don't bury them, all right? They are, they are the talents and the abilities and the giftings and the callings that God has put in you. Let's walk through another passage real quick here, okay? This one is 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So just turn over a couple of chapters. This, I think this chapter is about 40 verses long, but I'm just going to pull out maybe maybe. 10 or, 10 or 12 verses here uh, and talk to you about these. And then we're going to speak a little bit about these various gifts, okay? He, go, go down to verse, just drop all the way down to verse 14. The, the talk here is about prophecy and about tongues and about the difference between the two and how one operates and how the other operates and how we need to, to view them. And so we're not going to go into that discussion today, but I want to pull a few things out, all right? And in verse 14, the first thing I want you to see is what we just talked about because this just reinforces it. He says, first of all, pursue love 
And, and remember, we all said love needs to be the motivator and the driver and the informer of all of what we do in our giftings, okay? He says, pursue love and, look at that, earnestly desire. There it is again. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially, you know, when, when the word especially is used, it means it sets something apart to be extraordinary or extra special, all right? especially that you may prophesy. You say, well, I am not going to be a fortune teller. Good. I don't want you to be. <laughs> I'm not going to be a psychic. Praise the Lord. I don't want you to be, okay? Well, I'm not going to do this future telling stuff and all of that kind of stuff. Good. We're not wanting you to. That's not what he's talking about, okay? So let's not even go there. Let's, let's just lay that down right up front and say, that's not a part of this. Are there prophets who foretell? Yes. Were there in the Old Testament? Yes. Were there in the New Testament? Yes. Are there today? I think there probably are, okay? I believe there are. I believe I know a couple of them, okay? There are prophets that God is using even today in the world in some capacity, all right? You and I are not those prophets, None of you have stood up and prophesied in that manner, nor have I, hopefully, all right? I don't believe that I have that kind of prophetic office by any means, but I prophesy to you every Sunday when I preach to you, all right? And for some of you, you sit in my office, and I prophesy to you in prayer. I pray with you, and we, we, we have prophetic prayer that speaks to the situation that you are in, and, and your eyes are open. So just this week, I, 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 was, I was with someone um, I started a degroup with, 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 with someone, and we sat down at a table in a restaurant. We're just sitting in a restaurant uh, and, and having, uh, I, I'm having a, a, a French toast, and I'm talking to this person. And in the middle of eating French toast and, and uh, him drinking a, a cup of strong black coffee, uh, we are talking and talking and talking, and all of a sudden, folks, there's a moment where it's like the restaurant shifted. It didn't, but it did, because... The Holy Spirit just said something in my heart, and I said it to him, and it was a jolt of revelation. And he responded to me and said, wow, Pastor Bill, these last few moments, they're very uplifting to me right now. And I said, great, everything else I said up until the last two moments probably were just empty words, you know? And they probably were in some sense, all right? But in that moment, God just comes down. The Holy Spirit speaks, and this individual is strengthened. And you see that strength coming into that person visually, not just spiritually. And I'm like, wow, look at that. And I understood it. Like I'm like, brother, I, I need to say this to you. I need to tell you something. I, just, I think I understand something here. And when I spoke it, it was liberating for him. This is what I'm talking about. These kind of things where you encourage, where you exhort, where you comfort, you do these kinds of things to one another, with one another, for one another, and for the body of Christ to be brought up to that place where we can be sharers of the gospel. So prophesy. Verse 2, he says, The one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. That's about tongues. You'll, you'll get that next Sunday, okay? On the other hand, verse 3 the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, their exhortation, their encouragement, and their consolation or their comfort. 
All right? This is what prophecy does. These are, these are aspects, fruits of, of when prophecy is at work in the body of Christ. The one who speaks in tongues builds himself up. But the one who prophesies, look at this, builds up the church. This is my hope, is that every Sunday when David stands here in the pulpit and preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we will be a city that loves God. Not only for upbuilding, but to encourage you and to, and to comfort you. And for some of us, that's what we come in with. We, we all come in with a variety of needs. But, but, but prophecy can help us in all of these areas of our lives, okay? The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Now, what Paul is saying there, um, well, first of all, he says, I, I want you all to speak in tongues. Even more than that, I want you to prophesy. Does everyone speak in tongues? No. Does everyone prophesy? No. But Paul is, is I mean, you've got to understand Paul's personality. Paul is all or nothing. Paul is always that way, all right? And he is, he is always, like, on the front end. He's always the point of the spear. And so, you know, he, he's, he's saying this in, in his way of saying it. You know, that person who's prophesying, um, well, they're greater than the one who's speaking in tongues. What he's saying is the work that is being done is greater in the effect it has upon the whole of the body or the church. Prophesying has a greater impact, a greater impact. Uh, effect, okay? And so that person is, is, is functioning at a greater level of, of impact than the person who is speaking in tongues, all right? He says, unless someone interprets, all right? David's going to talk to you about all of that, but just to say, now the tongue has become equally valuable because there is understanding, all right, there's understanding that. So if there's an interpretation of someone speaking in tongues, then that rises up because that now affects the greater body even greater. All right? And so we, we want to understand these things a little bit here. But he says, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. That's, again, the goal of these gifts is to build up the church and to bring the revelation of Jesus Christ to the world, all right? Drop down to verse 29. This gives us a little insight as to way, the way it's done in the, the gathering uh, or the public gathering of, of people, all right? He says, let two or three prophets speak. Let the others, look at it, weigh what is said. This is one of the aspects we're going to talk about a little bit more in a minute here, but if you're going to speak the word of God, it has to be weighed out by others within the body so that they can hold you and I accountable to the things of the Spirit because the Spirit is always going to line up with the word, okay? So let, let it be weighed. He goes, if a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, all right? For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be encouraged. In other words, one has a good word to say. They can say it in a group, all right? But if another has something to build on that, then that one can speak as well, and so on. So you can actually layer your exhortation when several people begin to speak together. I've been in groups of, of individuals where we start to pray, and then God begins to speak revelation out of the prayers. And someone says, I just feel like I want to say something to us around the, around the table or in the group or whatever. And they just speak out. And it, it's very much 
prophetic in some sense of the word. And then another says, yes, and you know what? And they build on what the first person says. And then another says, oh, I just got something too here. And, and, and so you're actually just layering on top of each other the prophecy of the Lord, the prophetic utterance of God. And everybody is being encouraged, and a lot of people are being used simultaneously. But there's an order to that. It's not chaotic. It's not everybody just speaking uh, randomly and hit and miss and whatever. But things are being said and they're being weighed as individuals go along. And so God is being glorified because there's order and there's peace. People are being encouraged or exhorted or comforted in all of this. And so it works very well in that way. All right. And so he says, we want everybody to learn. We want everybody to be encouraged. Look at verse 32. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. In other words, you can shut up. You can know when you need to be quiet just as well as you can know when you need to speak, all right? And so sometimes you just need to say, okay, I'm done now, all right? And be done because God is done utilizing you at that particular moment, all right? And then look at verse 33. For God is not a God of confusion but of peace. Folks, if the Holy Spirit is working in life church, there will not be confusion. If the Holy Spirit is at work in Life Church, you will feel a sense of peace. You will feel good about it. Even if God is shaking your world all around you, you will know. You will know that it's okay. You will know that you need to be shaken. <laughs> and you'll be able to handle that because the Spirit will be at work helping you in this place of being unsettled in your relationship with Him. Then drop all the way down to verse 39. So, brothers, look at that. Earnestly desire to prophesy. And do not forbid speaking in tongues. But all things should be done decently and in order. The most amazing thing that I see out of that whole passage, there's so, so much in there and so, so much more that we could teach or preach out of that. It's just, it's just huge, all right? But one of the most amazing things is I see three different times between those two chapters and those verses that I pulled out of those chapters for you that Paul is saying in the very same exact words, earnestly desire, earnestly desire. And so out of that, we need to learn how to utilize these gifts, all right? We need to learn how how to, to, to prophesy. We need to learn how to use all these other gifts along with it. Um, and so I want to just talk a little bit about that with you uh, this morning, okay? So let's look at prophecy. And let me just, just kind of talk to you uh, pastorally here. Let me just try to encourage you. Let me just try to maybe even teach you a little bit here, all right? So let's take prophecy first, and let's run through that here, and then we'll try to take the other two as well, all right? This won't take long, um, but if, if you have your Bibles, you may want to make a note on, a, on, a, on a, a scripture reference or two as we go along here, okay? The spiritual gift of prophecy, all right? Um, it is extraordinary, and it is unique as a gift, all right? And, and it is the, the gift that Paul says, want you to use this more than any other. It is a high gift, 
and I want you, I want you to desire this particular gift. Um, and Paul wants it operative in, in the church, all right? And that's why he says in this passage in, in 1 Corinthians 14, you pursue love but earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. This, this gift, folks, is a blessing to the church. We have to look at that rightly, all right? The, the gifts bless us. The gifts help us. The gifts in, encourage us, all right? So they should not be quenched, and they certainly should not be despised, all right? Now, those who, who have or use the gift of prophecy that we're talking about here, uh, they differ from the Old Testament prophet, all right? Th those uh, men spoke um, the, the authoritative word of God. That was God speaking directly to the people. That was God's direct word uh, to the people. And their words were recorded as Scripture as they proclaimed them. And oftentimes uh, they, they would say things like, well, thus saith the Lord, all right? Um, and whereas th these messages that we're talking about being proclaimed today are, are given, um, uh, they, they are... The gift or the, 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 the utterance of, of, of prophetic words, uh, they actually require being tested, as Paul said. And by, by that, Paul's saying, okay, they're not on an equal plane with Scripture. Like the prophets of old, that was Scripture. All right, their words have been put into the Bible. All right, but the prophetic words that you and I declare today are not on par with Scripture. They don't, they don't stand up there with Scripture. Actually, Scripture informs our prophetic utterance. Scripture guards, guides, and is the parameter of where we prophesy the Word of the Lord. And so you and I don't stand up and declare that we have the absolute Word of the Lord. All right, that, that is finished. That is done in the Scriptures, okay? So our words have to be tested according to Corinthians and according to Thessalonians and, and 1 John and other passages, all right? In the New Testament, the apostles, not the prophets, took over the role of scriptural proclamation from the Old Testament prophets. It was the apostles that began to lay the foundation, all right? And they began to speak prophetically to the church, all right? Paul spoke at times prophetically, as did other apostles to the church. They spoke into the formation of the New Testament church, and so they were laying this apostolic foundation uh, as they were going. And they had been with Jesus, and, and, and they, they loved the, the revelation and the understanding and the impartation that Jesus gave to them, and they guarded the Word, and they guarded the Old Testament truths that Jesus guarded as well. And they held on to those, all right? And so the apostles were moving in this very uh, huge uh, high office in the early church uh, of setting the foundation and laying it and teaching it and, and, and building on it, all right? But these apostles, and, and Paul says he is an apostle in, in like born out of season. He was considered uh, apostolic in, in the work that he was doing. And so he also laid these foundations and taught uh, these truths. Um, and he is the one who is saying, I want you to prophesy. He's not saying, I want you to walk in an office of prophet. He's saying, I want you to prophesy. I want all of you to do this. I want you to encourage each other. I want you to, to, to ex exhort each other I, I, and teach each other. I, I want you to comfort one another. These are things I want you to do as the body. 
But those things never, never usurp Scripture. And they never go outside of Scripture. They stay in line with Scripture and with truth, all right? The Greek word for this gift of prophecy really is the ability to receive divinely inspired messages and deliver them to others in the body. That's what it means, okay? All right, I'll say that to you again. It is the ability to receive a divinely inspired message and deliver it to others in the body or in the church, all right? These messages can take different form. They can be in an exhortation. They can be a, a correction. Uh, they can be a disclosure of sin. Uh, they can be a prediction of future events. They can be comfort. They can be inspiration. Um, they can be revelations of some other kind that, that when they are given, they equip and they edify the body of Christ. Again, they do not constitute the authoritative word of God. But listen to me. They are human interpretation of a revelation from God that was received by someone. All right? They are spoken in human words through a human mind, which is why they have to be tested against Scripture. All right? At the end of the day, you and I are still human, even when God uses us in miraculous ways. All right? once you've been used miraculously, it doesn't really make you any more of a spiritual creature than you were before. It just makes you an obedient, submissive, and effective creature for the kingdom of God. And so you don't get into that place where you think, okay, now because I operated in prophecy, now I'm a prophet. And I'm sorry for those of you who might would like it if we went to starting having titles and offices around here. We ain't going to do that. Mm-mm. That is not going to happen. You are not calling me Prophet Bill or Apostle Bill. All right? You can call me Pastor Bill. I really like that, all right? Because I believe God has called me to be a shepherd and a pastor of people, all right? And so I'm comfortable there. I am your brother in Christ, all right? I am a man. I am a father, all right? I'm a son. I'm a brother. I'm an uncle. I'm a grandfather. I'm a lot of things, all right? But... You can call me any of those, I guess. I, I'm comfortable with all of those, all right? But we're not going to start calling each other by offices of gifts in the church. We're not going to be going prophet so-and-so and prophetess so-and-so and apostles so-and-so and those kinds of things, okay? We're not going to do that. Um, number one, it's foolish. It's not helpful. Right? That's not helpful for anybody. It's prideful. It's prideful. It's a bit presumptuous. All right? now, I'm sorry if you came out of that kind of dynamic and that's happening in the, a church that you maybe grew up in or whatever. Um, if they want to do that, that's fine. I'm just saying we're not going to do that here. And I don't think that that's helpful. My experience as a pastor is that that is not helpful to us. And I want you and I to be going out there and sharing the gospel with the least of them. All right? And Jesus never demanded titles. And even Paul did not demand titles. And you know what? Paul started out in, in the initial parts of his ministry, and he, he, he was good on titles and positions. I am Paul, the apostle, chief among. <laughs> when he, if you read his, his writings and date them, as he went along and in some of his final writings, 
You know what Paul says about himself? He says, I am Paul the, the, the worm. I, I'm Paul the sinner. I'm Paul whose, whose, whose righteousness is as filthy rags. You do the research on what those rags are referencing there. This is, this is, this is where Paul went to, all right? And, and you and I need to be humble people who are willing to let God use us in high gifts and in functions that were offices in the, the, the Old and New Testament, but not that that becomes our identity. Our identity is in Christ. We are sons and daughters of a heavenly Father who has loved us enough to give His Son, Jesus Christ. All right? So the Holy Spirit gives the gift of prophecy uh, to, to, to various believers to make God's heart known to edify the church. And, and, and this gift is the benefit of both believers and unbelievers. It's a sign that, that God uh, truly is in His church and He is among us and He's at work. Um, and those with this gift, you are very sensitive to both the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit and the needs that are in the church spiritually, uh, in, in, in the body, all right? If someone comes in and says, I have a word for the church, but they're not a part of the church, let me tell you something, they're not going to get to speak their word. A prophet is among the people. <laughs> One who has this gift is among the people and is involved in the church and is supporting the church and working in the church and is helping and discerning and, and has a heart for the church above his own heart for himself or, or she for herself. All right, These are men and women who love God and love his church and love to see people changed and transformed for the kingdom of God. And so they speak, and when they do speak, um, they, they should allow others to weigh their words, and, and they should expect that their words are going to be weighed out, all right? And they should expect that what they say is held up against Scripture uh, and that it has, has checked to see if it's been interpreted accordingly, all right? And, and, and in this way, the church uh, will continually be built up in unity as we are serving the Lord together, all right? Most people think of a prophet as someone God has used as a foreteller, and that did happen in the Old Testament. Uh, but the, the, the New Testament prophetic gift and the New Testament prophet um, is, is more of a foreteller. They tell something and they speak forth the Word of God uh, with an intent of building up and encouraging uh, the body of Christ. All right? They can speak the mind of God. in, in way. So they, a lot of times these people are bold preachers, they're bold speakers, they're bold teachers, uh, they're, 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 they're confident um, that the Greek word for, 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 for the prophet it really means uh, a poet, a person who has a good uh, craft of words, a person who is articulate and can speak forth. Uh, has this, this sort of prophetic edge on them, all right? Um, and, and this is a, an amazing gift. And, and some people think that, okay, the prophet is that person. Everybody's scared of the prophetic person, all right? Because they're going to tell you how bad you are, and they're going to speak hard words to you, and they're going to do that kind of thing. Well, sometimes people need to be told about their sin, all right? Because sometimes people don't even see their very own sin, all right? So that, that is a part of it, but that's not the big part of it, all right? A, a, a person with a prophetic gift teaches, all right, and brings God's word forth, all right? Um, and, and, they're, and they're actually doing something in daily life as well that allows them to be able to use this gift in unique and wonderful ways even outside of the, the coming together on a Sunday morning 
uh, in the church. Oftentimes, this gift happens in Bible studies. It happens in prayer groups. It happens in one-on-ones. It happens at the table at the old pancake house, all right, in, on an early morning. Um, there's, just, there's just wonderful ways where we as prophetic people can tell forth God's Word, knowing that it is going to set in someone's heart and soul in such a way as to make a difference in their life, and in so doing, they make a difference in the lives of others, all right? And so we need to view this prophetic ministry with an open mind, not a closed mind, all right? Um, and we need to be able to set, accept the, the words and the teachings of, of the prophetic people around us, all right? Sometimes it will be a blunt message, but sometimes even that bluntness is, is, is tempered by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit opens us up and allows us to be able to people, be people who can receive that word. Um, and oftentimes that person will have discernment. That will be another gift that will operate with them because they will always have the goal of making people aware of what they need to do to be more like Jesus. That is what the prophetic gift does, all right? So that is the prophetic gift. Um, let me talk to you for just a few minutes. There's, there's a lot of other things we can say about it, and maybe we will again at, at, at some point, okay? But let me talk to you about wisdom for a moment, okay? Um, that was one of the words that was used in the passage of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's actually at verse 8. This spiritual gift of wisdom is, is like the gift of knowledge, um, it's referred to uh, as an utterance, okay? So the utterance of wisdom. And the Greek word uh, for wisdom uh, as a gift here refers to a very intimate understanding of God's word and God's commandments, which causes us to live holy and upright lives, all right? When you receive a word of wisdom, the intent of that word of wisdom is to make you more like Jesus, all right? Uh, in the context of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, it means to speak to the life of an individual, all right, or to a specific situation that an individual is in, and to do that with a great deal of understanding and a very righteous perspective, all right? You're not just speaking the wisdom of the world. You're speaking the wisdom of God. You're speaking the wisdom in the mind of Christ here, Okay. And so if you're utilizing this gift, all right, you're going to have this goal of guiding others towards a life of holiness and of worship to God. That's going to be the intent of you utilizing this gift of wisdom. You're going to be able to speak revelation into people's lives, all right? And there are a number of scriptures that we can, can look at. I love Psalm 111, verse 10. It says, fear, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever, all right? If you fear the Lord, I'm not talking about being afraid of God in the sense that you cower and, and, and you don't open yourself up to God, all right, and you see him just as this big, awful kind of person up there who's going to just take his thumb and, and kind of like smush you out if you sin. That's a wrong, unhealthy uh, perspective of God, and, you, and none of us should have that, all right? But when we see God as our loving Father, we see Him as one who wants to, to, to gather us to get, and, and, and help us and to grow us and to mature us, to instruct us and to train us and to keep us on the right path uh, with Him so that we are following Him, we flourish, and our life is blessed, all right? Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. It begins with knowing who God is and who we are in comparison to him, it's like I said earlier, I know my place, I know my position, I know that no matter how great I am used by God, God is sovereign, and God is greater than I am, and I will never be greater than God. 
I will never be greater than his angelic host. I am in my position. But God can use me greatly. God can do great things through me, and God can do great things through you, all right? And so this wisdom leads to understanding, and then it, from understanding, it leads to practicing righteousness as God's people. And so ultimately, a life of wisdom leads to praising God with our lifestyle, all right? James chapter 3, verse 17, the wisdom from above, meaning from God, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Doesn't that sound a lot like the fruit of the Spirit? (laughs) We receive these gifts so that we can serve God and serve the body of Christ and be relationally well and healthy with one another. But also, when these gifts are manifesting, they manifest in such a way that we see the evidence of the fruit all around when they are being utilized, all right? And so this is, this is undoubtedly the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer, all right? The, the, the highest wisdom, folks, that you can have and that you can deliver is found in the cross of Jesus Christ, all right? which the Bible says is folly to those who are perishing, those who are in the world, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. All right? And so we want to we live in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We want to live in the cross, and the cross, the, the, the gospel, the message of the cross, that informs us and that inspires us. Okay, Wisdom doesn't end with knowledge, all right? but it's expressed in a very transformational heart and life. Knowledge alone, the Bible says, will puff you up. So the gift of wisdom is not so you get knowledge and you get understanding and you just get smarter. If you get smarter, you think you know everything. And if you think you know everything, you start to question God. You start to question God. You moved out of position. And God doesn't have that. He doesn't allow that. Okay. So when you are walking in the wisdom as a gift and it's being utilized, there's a tremendous humility that is evident in that individual when they're walking in that gift because they're keeping it in the order that it needs to be in. The Holy Spirit gives to some this gift of wisdom, uh, not only to impart truth and understanding, but also to invoke a response God's intent, if you, are, if you are the recipient of the gift of wisdom, the intent of God is for you to respond to that gift. Not only to receive it, but to, to activate it and to walk it out. When God gives you revelation of yourself, all right, God's intent is that you do something with that revelation. You don't sit on it and hold it, all right? So wisdom comes to us, all right? Uh, out of, out of a, 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 the one giving the wisdom has really a, a, a deep sense of understanding of the holiness of God and the righteousness of God, all right? Um, and, and they can recognize not only that in others, but they recognize it in themselves as, as well. And so oftentimes, if you're a person who's operating in the gift of wisdom, you will be a person who uh, sometimes might see yourself pretty, pretty small, you might see yourself as, as really short or coming up short or, or, or deficient in some way, all right, because you're very constant of the, the greatness of God and the goodness of God and, and the holiness of God and the righteousness of God. So you get like Isaiah who says, oh, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips and everyone around me is unclean, all right? He, he got a good revelation of the greatness of God. He had wisdom and understanding in that moment and he saw God as God is, but he also saw himself as he is. And so this is one of the, 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 the traits there, all right? But, but we can have this wisdom, all right? Um, and, and we can have the character to operate in it as well. 
The last thing I want to talk to you about, and we've got to close here. I've run out of time. And that is knowledge, the utterance of knowledge as well. Okay, so we have prophecy, which is spoken forth. We have the utterance of wisdom, which is spoken forth. And now we have the utterance of knowledge, which also is spoken forth, okay? The spiritual gift of knowledge, also known as the utterance of knowledge, all right? Uh, The Greek word for this particular gift just simply means knowledge and understanding. It means you get a special, unique sense of knowledge and understanding, all right? Um, and as the, as the scriptures are emphasizing it in 1 Corinthians, it's not only that you get the understanding and you get the knowledge, but you get the ability to speak this knowledge to others in a given situation. In other words, not only can you see it, but you actually can articulate it. You know, I hear some people and, and they'll say, you know, I, I can see it in my, like I can really see it in my own head kind of, but I just can't say it. Like I can't explain it to you. But I, I understand it. I see it. And I'm like, God, give them the gift, right? <laughs> let, let them speak it out, okay? Let it, let it come forth, you know? Give them the ability to, argue, to articulate what they are feeling and understanding inside of themselves. And in this passage, Paul spoke of, of knowledge and, 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 he, and he recognized, of course, Uh, from the scriptures that the highest form of knowledge among men and women is that of the gospel of Jesus Christ, all right? And he says, uh, in in verses 4 through 7, he says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him, in Christ, in all speech and all knowledge, all right? That's 1 Corinthians chapter 1. That's, that's uh, verse 4 and 5, all right? You've been, you've been enriched in Christ, both in speech and in knowledge. We just said, all right, prophecy, spoken forth, all right? Wisdom, spoken forth, all right? Knowledge, spoken forth, all right? You are enriched in Christ. It's in Christ that you're able to speak forth these things. And you're not lacking in, in, in this ability when the Spirit is moving through you, all right? So don't be afraid to speak it forth, especially if you know that this is a gift that God is wanting to use you in. So what do we conclude about knowledge? Really, it's an understanding of the things in this world and in our lives um, that are founded in the gospel and they're rooted in the scriptures, all right? And these two gifts are very closely related to each other, wisdom and knowledge. Oftentimes you'll see them being used uh, simultaneously through either one individual or, or several individuals, all right? Um, and, and so the wisdom of the world is not for you and I, all right? And you can get smart as you want to. You can be smart as a whip in the world, but it's not going to do you what God will do for you uh, when you are walking in this gift of wisdom or you are the recipient of this gift of wisdom. The Holy Spirit gives this gift to bring about understanding and to inform maybe a whole church or individuals. Um, and a person who has this kind of gift is usually well-versed in Scripture. They usually, have, they usually can just spout out Scriptures and just articulate those Scriptures and, and then come around them and talk about them and explain them. Oftentimes, this person can retain a lot of truth and a lot of, uh, of information and be able to relate Scriptures to situations and be able to, to utilize um, analogies uh, very well uh, with the Scriptures, all right? Uh, but they're always going to center themselves back on Jesus, re- regardless of where they're going uh, with things, all right? And so they try to 
connect you not only to your situation or your circumstance, but connect you to God in that situation or in that circumstance, all right? So they're bringing knowledge and they're bringing understanding, all right? I'm going to close with this verse. It's taken from Romans chapter 15, verse 14. I myself, Paul writes to the Romans, he says, I myself am satisfied about you, brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. If you read that passage, Paul was speaking to mature Christians and leaders in that particular passage he wrote to the church at Rome. All right? God's intent is for you and I to mature to that place where we are capable, capable of being mature Christians, and we can be utilized in these gifts. I challenge you to live your life in such a way that you're constantly growing in life church, and you're maturing to that place to be used. Let us be people of the Spirit. Let us let the Holy Spirit come in. Maybe this is all new to you, and maybe you're going, hey, all I know is worldly wisdom. That's all I've ever had. I don't know this Jesus and all that. Well, we're going to give you a chance. Quickly, Jeannie's going to come, and uh, she's going to just lead you through the gospel here, pray for you, and then we'll be dismissed. All right? Thank you, Jeannie. Thank you, Pastor Bill. Truly, we do serve a good God who gives good and glorious gifts. But the greatest gift that he ever gave was his son. And in giving that gift, he made a way not only for us to meet with God face to face, but to acquire the gifts that Pastor Bill was teaching about today. And we each carry that gift because of the work of the cross, because he sent his son Jesus to come and to walk the earth, to to model what it looks like to (laughs) be in the presence of God, to seek the presence of God, and then going to the cross (laughs) to die for each of us, to make a way for us to be with the Father. I'm excited for this. And in that crucifixion, then being buried and descending into hell and rising again on the third day to bring us the promise of life everlasting, the hope of glory through Jesus Christ. If you're walking in that place where you're truly not, or you don't believe that you've received the gifts that Jesus is for each of you, I'd invite you to come up. The prayer team will come up and pray with you, pray for you. Also, if you have any, any need, any prayer need, please come and be prayed for. It's such a beautiful experience. So today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you're questioning the gifts that, that God has placed in you and how you can use them, please come for prayer. I'll just close now. And then you may be uh, quietly dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God who gives good gifts. What are you doing? You, Lord God, know each of us. You know the gifts that you've placed within us. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to stir up those giftings, that we would have that knowledge, that wisdom, that understanding of what these gifts look like and how we are to use them as we go out. So I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the gift of each person in this room. And I thank you, glorious Father, for the giftings you have placed in each one of us. Lord, I ask that 
you would increase those giftings through the power of the Holy Spirit that bring us to that greater understanding of who we are in you, Lord God. So I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the promise that you gave through your Son, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit that dwells in each of us. And for that great and glorious day when we will be welcome, okay. welcomed into your awesome. kingdom, Lord. I just declare your favor and your blessing over each person gathered here today, okay. over the teachers and over the children, Lord. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, for all that you are doing within each of us. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, precious Jesus. Thank you. So and in your glorious name we you pray. You got my back. I love it. Amen. <laughs>